Hey friends, welcome to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kendra, and we're two moms that live across the street from each other. And between us, we have 10 kids. We live life together, have fun, and we just want to share that with you guys. We are so glad you're here. On this podcast each week, we think everyone needs a little bit of hope. And we want to tell stories of hope, of how God has changed people's lives. He's shown up in good times and in hard times, and and He can show up for you too. All right, we hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to His Beloved of Texas. I'm Megan, and I'm so glad you're here. You guys, guess what? We just hit our 3,000th download. 3,000 people, or I don't know, episodes have been listened to, which is amazing. And um, Kendra and I are just in awe of what God's doing with this podcast and so thankful for every single one of you that listen weekly. It makes me so excited to see how many of you wait for the episodes to come out on Thursday and listen right away. So today we have um, another fun episode for you. We have Liz Joseph here today. And Liz is a friend of ours in our real life who has a beautiful story of adoption. And she tells a story of a Lent um, season a few years ago and how she devoted herself to prayer with one certain prayer in mind and how God really asked her to let go of that and to surrender it to him and took what she thought was her prayer and gave her something so much more beautiful and the way that he just has guided her life um, through all of this. And we talk a lot about surrender and about what it means to um, feel that peace from God when he asks something of you, which is really a lot of fun. So I hope that you enjoy it. Liz also has uh, four kids right now and one on the way. And her youngest, Benedict, was born with Down syndrome and a heart defect. And so he gets to sit in her lap the entire episode. So you may hear a little bit from Benedict. You might hear a little crying sound here and there, or maybe him sucking his pacifier, which was so stinking cute. (laughs) Um, So please bear with us if you hear some fun little baby noises. It was a joy to have her here, and I'm really glad we got to have her. And you're going to enjoy Benedict too. All right, guys, I hope you have a wonderful time. Hey friends. Hi everybody. How's it going? Good. (laughs) It's warm outside. It's totally (laughs) went to Texas. Than the last time we recorded a podcast. (laughs) I know. I went to the grocery store and of course, um, we're lacking in so much in our grocery stores, but, um, I walked out and I was so excited and fell deeply in love with Texas because last week it was ice and this week our kids are in shorts. It's great. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think the Lord knew that that was all we could handle. I know. If there had been (laughs) one or two more days of freezing weather, we might've just fallen apart. I think so. We were at that point. I think so. I think so. so. We have a wonderful guest. We have not introduced her yet. Hello. Liz Joseph is here. Can you say hi? Hi. Nice to meet you all. (laughs) (laughs) So Liz, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Okay. Well, I'm here with two of my four kids. Um, Benedict is sitting on my lap. He just turned one and Gianna's here. She's four. Um, and I have uh, two other older ones running around outside with uh, Kendra and Megan's kids. And then we also have another one on the way, halfway there <laughs> this summer. We're expecting another one. So um, my husband's at home. Uh, he's working from home this year. And uh, yeah, we moved to Texas about one and a half years ago. So That's settling awesome. in with the pandemic and yeah. all the crazy Snow apocalypse. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. two of my favorite things about Liz and Kendra are that Kendra has two little boys named Benedict and Joseph. 
And Liz's last name is Joseph, and she has a little baby named Benedict Joseph, which is right. like the cutest thing ever. And Joseph was in the same class as her son Peter, and he thought it was funny that like his name was Joseph and Peter's last name was Joseph. Oh yeah, <laughs> it got even oh, yeah. funnier when she had a baby. Yeah. And then also a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about community and how you should just randomly invite people to your house and oh yeah, come home with me right now. She did that one time to you. Do you oh, she did that? absolutely after mom's group. I've like, never yeah. forgotten it. Hey, just want to come home so with fun. us right now? We'll give the kids peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And like, it opened a go. huge door to me of learning about the school that my kids now go to. Yeah, yeah. and now yeah. all of our kids are at the same. It's school. just amazing. Yeah, yeah it's really I cool. actually talk about that. A lot of things happen over just simple peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and fellowship right such a good example (laughs) yes yes so so we're gonna dive in I have some rapid fire questions for you because we want to get to know you all right okay (laughs) are you ready Whataburger or Chick-fil-a Chick-fil-a that was way too fast (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you though it's okay um if you can indulge in anything any type of food or drink or anything without any consequences what would it be Oh, goodness. Oh. I would have to say it's always a toss-up between coffee and chocolate. Mm. And I think I just, I could do without chocolate, but I couldn't do it without coffee. Really? Yeah. I couldn't if I had to choose. Do you ever it's have them at the same time? Like um, for me, my afternoon cup of I coffee can. goes yeah. really well with a piece of chocolate because it gets all yeah. creamy and melts in your mouth because your mouth is warm and it goes really well together. I'm so picky. <laughs> but really? I'm so picky about what I have my coffee with. Uh-huh. And I'm not even like a huge coffee snob, but I'm just, a, I'm devoted to coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and so I generally just have coffee by itself, but I don't like, like candy chocolate with uh-huh. my coffee, but I would do like chocolate pastries oh. or chocolate cake or something yeah. like that. Like food. Yeah. How do you take your coffee? I used to be all black uh-huh. and now I, I, for like, I don't know, I think since I've had kids, it's been always with milk, never sugar. Um, what's your favorite season? Oh, um, okay. I would say at this point as an adult, I like fall in Texas because, um, the, uh, just the weather drop, like the temperatures drop. I am, I'm so ready for it. Um, as a kid, I actually had anxiety about the fall because I always saw people get sick and I had oh. like stomach viruses would come through oh, and I no. was scared of that. So as a kid, I was terrified of the fall. Um, and I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> as an adult, like obviously yeah. I don't care about that anymore. So <laughs> experiencing your first fall in Texas, was it pretty disappointing? Well, I actually grew up in Texas. <laughs> oh, yes, did. I did. Okay. I grew up in Irving near mm-hmm. Dallas. Um, yeah. I moved there when I was two. You and Megan were quite close yeah. then. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I grew up there and I went to University of Dallas. And okay. so I literally was in Texas until I got married. Yeah. Got married in Texas and then <clears throat> I've lived everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> and so coming back to Texas was a really big deal for me uh, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So we were family. away for about seven years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, what's your favorite prayer style? <clears throat> oh, um, alone. <laughs> I really we can relate. Do. I mean, I even like even in mass, I'm an introvert and a homebody. And so even in mass, I, I think the mass is obviously the highest form of prayer. I believe that. And I, you know, want to be there. Yeah. Um, intellectually, I know that, but in terms of like feeling prayer and feeling close to God and like getting into my head and and lifting up to God, I can't do that unless I have no distractions. Yeah, I have wow. to be by myself. I have to. Like, for me, that's waking up early 
and being alone in my house. That's the only time. Do you do that that. regularly? I am good at that. It's one of the few things that I can kind of like do Uh um, with habit for some reason. That's so inspiring. That's something that I've been wanting to do. Does Vinny wake up? So with he has a G tube, so it's really easy to keep him sleeping long oh. if I feed <laughs> him with a G tube. <laughs> yeah. oh, nice. So if I get up at four thirty and get his food going, he can sleep till seven. Wow. Depending on just I mean, it, it varies, but my other kids will get up at six. So they're the ones that are the you know So you get up before six. Yes. <laughs> five o'clock has to be like five o'clock has to be the time I like start praying. So that means getting up at four thirty to feed him make coffee, you know, all the stuff you have to yeah. do. And then oh you're like, goodness. oh, the time's going away, you know. So sit down by five and then um, that is whatever dedication. I do. That is so impressive. Because I, before I had Tessa, I loved to get up early in the morning and pray. Yeah. I mean, I'd be up at 5.30 or 6, but with a baby, yeah, I'm like, I need every inch of ounce of sleep I yeah. can get. My goodness, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, but, you know, and then I fail. After the kids go to sleep around 7.30, sometimes I will fall asleep right then, too. Yeah. Yeah. My husband, he's like, oh, I guess you're, you're done for the day. <laughs> you know, because so I do yeah. get up early, but then I get tired real yeah. early, too. Yeah, so that's impressive. Yeah. Okay, finish this sentence. Children, I've told you numerous times, don't... Oh, uh, don't uh, forget to flush the toilet, turn <laughs> off the light, wash your hands, and yes. close the door. Yes. <laughs> yes. I said that twice already today. So I hear you. That's that fun. Okay, last one. If you can eliminate a bug without messing up the ecosystem, what would it be? Cockroaches. Cockroaches. Ooh, I totally agree. Oh, my goodness. Gross. Yes. I don't mind them. Well, no, that's awful i do mind them i refuse to be the one to step on them me too the I crunch can't. i cannot oh, no. i cannot it's no. the only bug i will not kill no I'm like, I, have, I, I think i've let them free outside because <laughs> I come not that i want to set them free too <laughs> oh no this is what i do i will <laughs> i will catch them um and i will i don't want to leave them in the house caught because i won't i can't kill bugs yeah but i will catch them if there's no one around and then i'll leave it on the driveway under the cup <laughs> Because I don't, like, I don't want to let you free. (laughs) So in the Texas heat, you're baking bugs under cups. Is that, I mean, and they'll be out there and like, I, I, it's like by the car or I think sometimes I'll tell my husband or my kids, like, there's a, there's a bug under a cup outside. That (laughs) That is so, you want to let it out. Come here. It's your job, dude. Okay. I have a question for you. What have you learned or what is the thing that you've learned the most from being Benny's mom? Oh, um, I have, have learned. We, have you explained Benny yet? Ben, mm-hmm. So Ben and Dick, yeah, Benny, we call him Ben. Benny at the, at the house, they call him King Ben. Which yeah. <laughs> explains a lot about him. But he has Down syndrome and he has taught me a lot about um, myself in, and like my relationship with my children and, mm-hmm. and how I um, place a lot of pride in my kids in, but maybe in the wrong way because oh, wow. he he kind of taught me like um that I spend a lot of time focusing on the future achievements that my children might have and how I'm trying to prepare them for those so much mm-hmm. and I put a lot of thought and feeling into that a lot of heart and then realize with him he's not going to do most of those things that I'm waiting for my other kids to hopefully achieve and do yeah. and I realized that that that's not everything and mm-hmm. it's not anything really. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, with some people I have in a conversation um, that 
you know, my kids being happy is what I really want. And ultimately that's heaven. So, um, but with Ben, I feel like, uh, as a mother, I feel like I have like one of my kids is always going to be happy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And they say like a mother is only as happy as her saddest child. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, you know, and it's hard. I see it with my mom, but, um, you know, raising her, she has nine kids and, and nobody's ever perfectly happy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm like with Ben, I already see like, he's just joyful. Oh, he's that's joyful. beautiful. That's such a great reminder for all of us. Yeah. You just said your mom has nine kids. You're one of yes. nine. Wow. I'm one of nine, yes. That's fantastic. Yes. And where you've told me this before, but now I can't remember. Where are you in the birth order? Um, I am the fourth and the first girl. The so, first girl. Yeah, oh, that's in a fun. way, <laughs> an oldest of sorts. You oh, know? that's true. You yeah. probably yeah. had a lot of big sister responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Yes, wow. yes. Yeah. As soon as I turned seven, I always had a baby on my hip. So oh. it kind of actually um, just kind of formed who I am and mm-hmm. what my... I loved being part of the family and helping my mom, and I love babies, so it kind of formed my life goals of kind of wanting to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And your dad was a professor at University mm-hmm. of Dallas, right? Okay, yes, all he was a theology <laughs> professor at UD. Um, that's why they moved to Texas when I was uh-huh. two, and he taught there until he retired. That's so cool. Yeah. And then you went to school there, too. That's yes. Awesome. Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I have heard from our neighbor, who our neighbor, Rachel, tells stories with like so much excitement and energy. She's hysterical. <laughs> she puts her whole body into telling stories. Yes, she does. And she was like, you will not believe the story that Liz told us last night. <laughs> and she started to like tell me bits and pieces and I was like, don't tell me anymore. I don't want to know. I would be surprised. <laughs> so ever since then, we're like, Liz is going to be on this podcast and she's going to tell us this story. So Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it actually was a good segue talking about kind of my goal. I just wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be a mom and get married. And I went to UD um, and I didn't care about a career. I didn't pick a major based on a career. It was kind of like, I'm here to meet somebody. And <laughs> they call that an MRS degree. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my dad joked about it all the time. Um, and um, so I ended up, I never dated in high school and I just, I don't know if it was just my personality or I had high standards or something, but I, I never wanted to date besides it being connected to marriage. You know, yeah. obviously I may not date the person I'm going to marry immediately, but mm-hmm. it had to be somebody that I could consider. And Purposeful. I was like, I'm too young in high school. I didn't, I was like, I'm not there yet. I didn't date in high school. That's um, very impressive, logical thinking for a high school girl. I don't know. Yeah, that's great. I, I mean, obviously, I'm trying to think what situations I think I... You know, I played around with dating mm-hmm. just as high schoolers do, but I was never serious, you know? Yeah. And then um, I only dated one person at college, and he broke up with me and became a priest. Wow. <laughs> it didn't happen that, in that succession immediately, but he did, he did break up with me, and we, you know, we were both serious about mm-hmm. dating for marriage, you know? And then he kind of was discerning throughout the time we were dating and it wasn't the longest relationship but um that's fantastic he, I love this kind of Catholic he story did, yeah. <laughs> you know and there's a lot there's pain there in that story oh, but sure. you know he did, I do joke like he um he's a priest now and he's a wonderful priest uh is he in our diocese he's I think I don't keep up with him but I think he's in the diocese of Tyler oh that's a great diocese. yeah yeah so he's a very dynamic um human being that's for fantastic. sure <laughs> um and I'm sure he does amazing things for his flock so yeah. anyway so yeah I you know that and then my senior year I was single and I just kind of 
used that year to focus on graduating and mm-hmm. studies and thinking like, well, what comes next? You know, and I, I didn't want, I wasn't career driven and I had, I was an English major and I was like, I just don't want to teach. That's what I don't want to do. And <laughs> so I, um, I think it was the Christmas before I graduated, I was at home and I was coming up with my plans for what am I going to do after graduation? And at some point I decided that I would, um, volunteer which I think is a pretty good idea to do if you don't really know what you want to do. Right. And so the, all the, the choices of where to volunteer, endless, you know, are you going to do um, international, you know. And I ended up deciding, like, well, I really I want to be with kids. And I also really have always been fascinated by languages. And so I was like, I want to go somewhere where I can learn another language. And I've um, had most of my background in Spanish. So... I started just narrowing it down to like orphanages in Spanish-speaking countries mm, and wow. and Catholic organizations. So mm. still just so many so many choices, but God had it all figured out. And I I found this one in Mexico that I loved. It was my top choice, and I applied to it over the break. And I spent so much time on the application. And my mom was like, "I think you should just pick one Plan B because you only have one place you're applying to." just pick a plan B. And I was like, oh, I, don't, I hate the process of filling out all this stuff. I don't want to do it. And I was like, fine, I'll just do one. So I picked another one, filled it out. I was just copying and pasting answers from my first one. I was very half-hearted doing it. And um, I ended up getting accepted to both of them, I think within a wow. week of each other. And I was doing like the second round of like interviews and phone interviews. And, and then it came to the point where they were like, in my mind, neck and neck. Like, I was like, I don't know which one to choose now because they actually both sound really perfect. Where was the second one? So the second one was in Bolivia. Um, and so I, I think I ended up, they both had like promotional videos and I ended up kind of, this was the Holy Spirit who inspired me to sit down and watch both of their promotional videos back to back. And I completely was moved by one over the other in watching wow. them. Like it, became so obvious that I wanted the, the, the plan B was like my top choice all wow. of a sudden. So I called the first place that had you know, offered me a job and I, they, I think they had both offered me a job at that point and I declined one and took the other. And then um, that is how I kind of transitioned out of college. And mm-hmm. um, there was a, that summer, there was a uh, big orientation for this group. This, um, it's a group of lay missioners run by the Salesians. I had never heard of the Salesians before. So a huge international um, religious organization, lay organization in the church. And so um, uh, the first day of orientation, I met my husband. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that was God just putting the pieces together. You know, he's from New Jersey. He had thousands of organizations to choose from like I did. And he picked uh, the same one as me. And I, the first moment I saw him, I was like, I choose him, (laughs) you know? Yes, please. (laughs) And so did a lot of the other girls that Uh were there, you know? There were less men volunteering, lots of women. Yeah. And so anyway, um, the, the, um, training was really intense. It was about a month long. um, Wow. To be able to go. And, um, so we, um. We kind of got to know each other a bit, but the Salesians have a strict no dating rule oh. while you're on mission, which, which makes, makes sense. sense. Makes and sense. he wasn't even going to the same place as me. So they yeah. actually train a bunch of missionaries that go all over the world. And he was very plan- much planning on going to Africa. Like that's where oh, he was going. Wow. So I knew that, you know, and we, um, 
we were acquaintances and not a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, when we uh, I guess, graduated from mission school, as they called it. Um, however, I guess I found out that he was a little more interested in me because he told me he was coming to Texas before we went on our mission because his brother was in Texas. Oh. And he had to pick up a car or something, so he asked if he could come visit. And so he came to my house, and, I mean, <laughs> that's like really – figuring out who I am because I grew up with, you know, eight siblings and yeah. the house is still packed and yeah, it's just, you know, this is me. <laughs> so he came and he actually spent the night. Um, I remember I was really tired. I went to bed early. I was like, have fun. See ya. He would just <laughs> hung out with my family. <laughs> I don't That's know. impressive. Because <laughs> I, I, uh, he has three siblings. Okay. Yeah. Cause at that point I was, um, I was putting up a lot of guards, like, mm. Like, I don't know what he thinks, and I'm now about to leave. Like, yeah. there was a month where I was kind of like, what do you think about me? But now I'm like, I'm about to leave for a year. Like, I have other things on my mind, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not going to see you for a year. So if something happens later, maybe. But I wasn't, like, all goo-goo-gaga over him while yeah. he was at my house. And so um, it was, I mean, it was really cool for him to see where I came from, I guess. And this was all part of God's plan, and it was just so cool to see it play out. And then... While I was on mission, I lived in an orphanage in, in a rural part of Bolivia. Um, heartbreaking. <laughs> so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I worked in the nursery with the toddlers and babies. And I spent a year there. And wow. Chris was in Africa working kind of like a, uh, at an orphanage for older kids. Mm-hmm. A lot of orphans from the genocide. And wow. he worked on a, they were on a farm. It was beautiful there. And we ended up kind of staying in touch a little bit. Like emailing and I think we Skyped a little bit Mm -hmm. maybe like once a month or twice a month or something so we stayed loosely in touch Mm -hmm. and I remember like really offering it to God a lot because he never left my heart or my mind as much as like I didn't know him super well he just never like he was very present so I was praying for him and about him and all that as we stayed in touch a little bit and then we ended up um, going to like a workshop when we got back where we kind of remet. It was like a entering back into life after mission workshop. And so we kind of solidified our relationship at that point mm-hmm. and decided to pursue dating maybe in a few, like I think it was Lent and maybe after Easter, he came and took me on my first date or something like that. Um, and he really was serious about discerning that marriage was for him for sure. Yeah. You know, he really didn't want to lead me on. And, I was like, I've already had that happen once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Um, so anyway, we ended up uh, just, I think I had decided to teach because I was like, well, what else do I do with my English <laughs> degree now? Because I'm still funny. not married. I have to, like another year. <laughs> yeah. Because we ended up, um, I think we dated for eight months, got engaged, and then got married maybe six months later. So it was pretty quick, all long distance because he is from New Jersey and he was staying up there. Um, and he ended up entering the military while I was teaching. I got a certificate to teach at a Catholic school. He entered the military and we got engaged at Christmas. We had started dating in May. We got engaged after Christmas and then he went off to officer candidate school for three months or so. Um, I was planning the wedding and then as soon as he graduated, they shipped him off to Guam. Like they don't waste time. (laughs) It's like you belong to us and you're going to Guam. And he was working in Guam until the maybe a week before our wedding. Wow. He flew back and we got married. 
And in that whole time of planning our wedding and our future and like, what are we going to do? And I knew I would be going to Guam with him after we got married. Yeah. We were like, well, we'll be international. And we had both seen all of these orphans. Yeah. And we both had a heart for adoption after that. And so we were trying to figure out, okay, we would like to adopt. We also want to have our own children, biological children, yeah. and we'd like to adopt too. But we're going to be international. We'll be close to all these countries that we hear people adopting from. So we thought maybe we could do that. Um, well, you know, take advantage of the time we were de- over overseas. And so um, I'm going to pause and grab his passy for a little bit. Yes, that's fine. That, yeah, that would be great. Um, so we were looking into it and on, on the computer a lot. And we actually found out that most countries don't allow adoption before you've been married for three years, which is a great, oh. I think it's a great idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah. not for y'all. Like, <laughs> <chapter. laughs> we were like, okay, so that door closed before we even got to Guam. So we ended up. Um, we flew, to, flew back to Guam and um, we were part of a really small command. This was my first introduction to military life completely. Nobody in my family was in the military at all. And so I'm just getting used to all of it. And um, this in this small command we're part of on this tiny island of Guam, which is the size of Dallas, wow. there is um, a family that is fostering uh-huh. two girls from the island. And Chris... Um, got to know them a little bit in the time he was in Guam before we got married. And they had kind of taught him a little bit about, you know, the foster system in Guam. And they have a super, super high need for foster parents. And so fostering never had entered my mind, ever, Mm -hmm. ever. And so we got to Guam and I don't know, I think I met them the first, we got off the plane and they were at the airport with a bunch of other people welcoming us. And I saw those kids. And it was interesting. And they also had adopted kids in their family as well. So um, it was a, they were a neat family, and we got to know them a lot. Um, but we basically, we'd been in Guam for two weeks, married, and <laughs> we decided to foster. You were wow. married for two weeks. Two, no, well, we had only, we'd been married for a couple months. But you we, and we weeks. also had, and I was not pregnant. I was like, what's happening? Like, I thought we were going to have babies right away, you know? Oh and... I was not pregnant and we didn't know like when we didn't know what the timing was you know we just were confused about that situation because I was always expecting to have a honeymoon baby I really really? was I was like I just want to start my family immediately Chris was you know right on board and there were no babies coming so I I didn't want to start a career or even get a job in Guam like lots of the military wives would do because I, I was like, I could get pregnant this month, you know? Yeah. And so we end up deciding to foster because I was like, you know, I can take care of babies who need to be taken care of because that's what I want to be doing. Yeah. So it's very easy to get certified to be a foster parent in Guam. Yeah. Um, we were certified within a few weeks. Wow. And um, we, you can, you know, put your selections down. Like I said, I would take up to two kids under two years of age, I think, two or three years of age. And um, so by the end, I think maybe mid-February, we were certified. And so that was going on, and it was pretty easy. And I was just spending a lot of time doing projects at home. My husband was working and still getting to know, uh, still getting to know, you know, some of the people on the island. And um, I had a lot of time to pray. So um, it was mid-February, just like Lent was around the same time. Uh, time frame as it is this year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. back in 2013 and um, 
I was still really hopeful that we would start our family soon yeah. and I would get pregnant. And so that was my big prayer because suffering from what seemed to be infertility yeah. is so hard. It was yeah. really, really awful. Mm -hmm. I remember just the suffering of that cross is just really immense because you just feel like you're broken and mm. you have no control over it. And your heart lungs for it. Yeah. The longing. It's just yeah. so painful. So, and you have, and then you have friends getting pregnant that got married mm -hmm. around the same time as you. And it's yeah. hard to feel like, what's wrong with us? Like, well, this is what we wanted. And mm -hmm. we're being open to God. And life is wonderful. So, anyway, um, my prayer life was very focused on, send us a baby. <laughs> we want a baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. why isn't this happening? And um, so I started Lent um, trying to decide, like, what am I doing this Lent like I do every Lent? And I was, Mary, the, our mother, <laughs> blessed mother, was chasing me with uh, a rosary. Like, she's always chasing me to, like, get the habit of the rosary down, and I'm always <laughs> running away from it because I'm like, oh. I feel that. Yes, yeah, it's just <laughs> so hard for me. It really is. I've never been able to get into it where I just love it. You know? Yeah, it's always I'm the like, same way. All right, I'll do it. So yes, I was finally like, okay, rosary every day for Lent. That was what I felt her calling me to do. And so that was what I started. Um, and my big petition with the rosary and like a focus was, please, like I'm doing this, please, you know, at the end of Lent or, you know, not even at the end of Lent, but my whole focus of the prayer during Lent was, you know, send me a baby. Like I've been waiting and waiting. Yeah. And so... Um, and at this point we had gotten certified, but I wasn't thinking, send me a foster baby. I was thinking, yeah. please, I want to get pregnant because the, the attitude that they instruct you to have about fostering is like, you don't want to pray for a foster baby because you don't want that situation to happen. If it does happen, you're open to receive a baby, but you don't want sure. that, you know, whatever crisis is happening in someone's family that they have yeah. their baby taken away from them. Because that means loss and sadness Right. Is yeah. yeah. You don't want to pray for that brokenness. So um, I wasn't at all praying for that. That was just kind of in the background. I'm like, oh, that could happen. Yeah. And um, so I started praying that rosary every day. And at some point, a few weeks in, I was praying. And I still remember where I was sitting. And the Holy Spirit came upon me. And the prayer of, you know, please send us a baby changed. Wow. It was very, very clear in my prayer. It was changed to... I would just pray for our family. And that was all God wanted me to pray. He wanted me to, to just really surrender mm. that desire for what I thought I wanted and what I thought our family should be and just surrender it to whatever his plan was. Mm. And so there was this amazing grace that I was given. And that was like a very, it was just a big switch, I think, mm -hmm. for me. And that is what the prayer was for the rest of Lent. And so... We get through Lent, and on Good Friday, Guam is a Catholic island, and mm -hmm. so a lot of the um, holidays just for the whole the whole island it'll shut down for certain Catholic holidays. Wow! Immaculate wow. Conception, <laughs> island shuts down. That's amazing. <laughs> Parades everywhere through the streets, you know. Yeah. And for Good Friday, absolutely. So there is this mountain, it's uh, called Mount Lam Lam, and the locals want their tradition is to carry a giant cross up to yeah. the top and put it into the ground and then I think there's a, few, a group of people that do that early in the morning when it's mm -hmm. still dark out 
they hike up with the cross. And then the rest of the island hikes up different times throughout the day. Wow. Just make your little pilgrimage to the top of Mount Lam Lam, and you're praying the whole way up. They have stations of the cross along the way up. They have a grotto halfway up. And wow. And it's really cool at the top because it's this gorgeous island. Yeah. And there's no trees at the top. It's just the ocean. It's it's breathtaking. And then you have all these crosses up there. It's really a beautiful experience. We did it every year we lived there. That sounds like a pilgrimage um, we need to make. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it yes. was awesome. So we hike up. Chris and I are experiencing this for the first time. And it's really cool because we were with our parish on the, on the base. So with a lot of people that, you know, were military. Mm-hmm. But then everybody else around us was were local. And they're just the most friendly people and welcoming and beautiful faith. And so it was a really neat experience. And we stopped at the grotto either on the way up or the way down. And we repeated our prayer of, you know, to Mary, mm-hmm. you know, guide our family. We pray, we're praying for our family. We're not praying for a baby. We're praying for our family. And it was just beautiful. And we get down and go home. And Chris is about, I remember him. He still, he had just back into his uniform and he was going to go back into work for the second half of the day. It was noon. And my phone rings, and it is a social worker that we had been working with. Mm-hmm. And I answer it, and I'm like, why is Cindy calling me? And she's like, Eliz, we have a baby for you. <laughs> Literally. Wow. <laughs> I know. She's like, we have a two-day-old girl. Two days old. And can you come get her? <laughs> I Do you know. have anything? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Wow. Oh my goodness. We had nothing. And Chris was, like, listening to my side of the conversation, and I'm just, you know making arrangements with Cindy and I can't even believe it. And so we, um, we had four hours before we had to pick her up. Four hours. That's plenty yeah. of time to prepare for we a baby. Four hours. And we didn't even know what to get. Yeah. Right. We just didn't even know. Crap and so, <laughs> yeah. Um, we, I don't know if someone told us that there is an organization that supports foster families that they would take care of us. Mm-hmm. They must have like, told us they would meet us there or something somehow knew that we were coming to get a baby so we did go and get some diapers I think but we didn't even Chris Chris thinks we got formula but I'm like I don't even think we knew what formula was yeah like I don't think we got formula I wouldn't have known what to choose yeah I I mean I knew nothing and so we showed up at four and somebody parked next to us and they had it was this lady that we ended up knowing really well later, but she came from this um, nonprofit organization called Harvest House that, that they are this beautiful presence on Guam and their whole organization wow. just supports foster families and they had wow. everything we needed. They had wow. ba- like a car seat, wow. a crib, diaper bag, clothes, diapers, oh far- I mean everything that you would get at a baby shower and more. And I, stuff I didn't know I needed. So we go in and they give us the baby, a um, little tiny newborn girl. Wow. <laughs> she was just asleep, I think. And it was just surreal, you know. Yeah. You can imagine. I was very comfortable holding babies. And so it was not, it was just, you know, very natural for me to take the baby. But, you know, there's just a lot to feel and think. And yeah. I can remember even after being pregnant yeah. for nine months. And waiting for that baby, going, I have to take this baby home by myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. You want me to take this baby? Yeah, I can't it's... imagine four hours. Yeah, <laughs> Chris and I left the hospital and we were like, "Are we are we allowed to take our baby home without we... <laughs> anyone with us? Too? Like, we don't know <laughs> what we're doing." <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. I don't know. I didn't have a lot of fears for some reason. Um, 
I will say that what it felt like for a long time was just a very long babysitting job because oh, yeah. it, it felt like if I did get attached to her, I tried to suppress it because I knew she could be taken away. So, mm-hmm. I mean, in the long run, I was like, I don't expect to keep this child. Mm-hmm. I'm babysitting this child. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so I wasn't as scared as somebody who's like, I have taken home the child. I will raise up into yeah. an adult. <laughs> okay, that makes <laughs> that sense. That wasn't like yeah, that makes the sense. long-term feeling. I don't know. So, And I was so used to babies and so used to taking care of them that it was just natural and um, – we actually stopped at some friends on the way home and just so they could meet her and um, they gave us a few other baby items and then we went home and I don't remember a whole lot after that. Yeah. It was just like, bam, life with the baby all of a sudden. I don't, I remember we did have to wake up and feed her a bottle during the night. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a whole lot else. We kind of just continued on with life and I wasn't working so yeah. I just you know, my time was taken up, you know, taking care of her and doing whatever else, you know, shopping, cooking. It just kind of happened so naturally for me because I had kind of left my life open for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was cool, though, that first day we had seen all of our friends um, on that hike, on that lamb lamb, and then we went to the Good Friday service and were with a baby. And they were like, what? (laughs) And they knew that, you know, we were certified to do the fostering. So they... Where they knew where the baby came from, but it was still really special. And then she was with us on Easter at the Easter celebration. And, you know, nobody's with their family on Guam, so everybody comes together. Oh, and wow. we just, I mean, it's a beautiful community. So we really enjoyed that. And Alea was just immediately part of the family, you know. Um, by the way, that is her name, Alea. She came with a name. Uh-huh. And they told us, we don't know how to pronounce it. It's either Alea or Alea. And we were like, well, we need to pick one. <laughs> so we picked Alea. We preferred it. And we didn't mind that name. Like, mm-hmm. it grew on us, and we also weren't in a position to rename her. You know, we were just fostering. So we called her Alea. And um, it's a beautiful name. It is it a beautiful is. name. And it actually, it's Hawaiian. And at some point, I found out that it meant blessing from above, wow. which is so beautiful. And so um, a few months went by, and we did have to do some visitations with her birth mother, but I mm-hmm. never saw her. They, did, they had a very set routine where you give the baby over in a covered parking garage and then come back and pick her up a few hours later. Oh my goodness. And it was a little scary. The first time you did that, it was just, uh, it was a lot of me shutting down my emotions because I, I, you know, it's like, she's going to see her mom and this is just crazy. I have no idea what's coming of this, you know, in the long run. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of just like, don't feel, don't feel, don't feel, (laughs) you know, but I mean, it was easy to take care of her and love her and she was really cute. Um, so she got older, you know, and three months went by and her mom stopped showing up for meetings. Mm -hmm. And so that, I mean, pretty quickly she stopped showing up for meetings. So that was no longer part of that story and Mm -hmm. made it easier on me. And then after a few months of, um, no, none of the biological parents, any contact, any movement, we started opening our hearts a little bit more because yeah. we're like, okay, there's, it's just us and her. And it's been so long now, like now she's growing up. She's, you know, at three months, they kind of opened their eyes to the world so much. And yeah. then they turned, she turned six months. She started rolling over and crawling. And then it's kind of like, okay, you can't stop this baby from entering your heart. Yeah, you know? yeah. And we were, we had a really good relationship with her, her caseworker. 
Um, and we still do. Like we're still we're on Instagram together, and we send her Christmas cards. And um, her ca- her caseworker was um, just always kind of like just supportive of us being Alea's foster parents, and then you know kind of trying to feel out like if she went up for adoption, would you guys be interested? And of course we were like, oh yes, like yeah, you know we're just open to God's plan, and if that's God's plan, absolutely, you know. And and adoptions take a long time anywhere but Guam is very much like a slow kind of island time feel (laughs) (laughs) and so things were taking a long time just to process and at some point I think she was nine months old they finally took her parents rights away which is the first step to like once your parents rights are taken away then adoption becomes a possibility Mm -hmm. so then she like slowly makes her way onto an adoption list and we had to file adoption paperwork so that we could just kind of be on the list of adoptive parents and, uh, and we, I did think that was ridiculous because I was like, can't you just give her to the people that she considers her parents, like yeah. her family? Like, yeah. can't we just skip all the steps? But no, um, it ended up being, she, let's see, um, she, so she was born in March and we had our first Christmas with her. A few months later, I found out I was pregnant, finally. Wow. <laughs> so it did take us a while, but when I look back at the timeline, Alea was born about nine months after we got married. And it was so funny because it's like, that was my honeymoon baby. Oh my god! That I was praying for all that time. And so yeah. I was praying for her, but didn't know that she was there already. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. So then um, we end up, the, you know, the different processes of adoption were kind of going on around along, this, along the time that I was pregnant and we're just doing all of that and my son was born in November and then the adoption went through in December wow. so they're 18 months apart and it, that's amazing it didn't feel like anything different when the adoption went through like at yeah. that point we had this 18 month old mm-hmm. and a newborn you know mm-hmm. and that's and life just has not it just hasn't stopped yeah <laughs> since then <laughs> but it was really special to have an international adoption and to be able to live in the community that she was adopted from for yeah. so long because we got to form relationships with people that like locals that live there so that mm-hmm. she now has mm-hmm. some really strong connections with people that live there have you it's, been back since then we haven't been back but her godfather lives there oh that's beautiful and wow. he is very he's in touch with her he he's local but he worked with my husband as a civilian mm-hmm. um and so he comes to the States sometimes. His dad is actually from the States. And so um, it's a great, it's just this wonderful connection for her. Her godfather, he loves her. He cares about her. He sends her things. He stays yeah. in touch all the time. And it's really special. So so Peter was born in Guam? Peter was born in Guam. How long were you guys there after that? Uh, I think about two more years. Wow. So, yeah. And when we left, we were pregnant with Gianna. And... Um, Alea had been in Guam long enough to just really learn it, and mm. she knows Guam. She does. Like she, she, she is an island girl, and she will talk about Guam, and she talks about wanting to live there and go back, and she remembers Ooh. it, and yeah. it is a big part of her identity. And wow. so um, it's really cool. But, um, yeah, so that's how our adoption happened, and she's about to turn eight, and it's – I will say before I – graduated from college I didn't have plans to adopt children never would have expected my first child to be adopted Mm -hmm. you know never would have expected it to take a year and a half to get pregnant all of those things where God just 
working so perfectly mm. and orchestrating everything. So that is, um, for me, just looking back, seeing how I met my husband and how we got Alea. It just yeah. is a wonderful foundation just from the you know beginning of our married life and our life as a family just to see how God is in control. Because yeah, we could totally. never have planned anything, any of those details. No. If you yeah. try to grasp the yeah. control, you couldn't create right. a story like that. And we're not yeah. out of the military. And um, I look back at it and I'm like, you know, the reason we went to Guam first was to get Alea. Yeah. You know, Chris had other reasons that, you know, he thinks he chose and this and that. But God helped him make those decisions yeah. so that we could get mm-hmm. Alea, you know. And it's so special. So it's beautiful. Yeah. It's so, amazing. But to go back to the part where you were talking about your prayer mm-hmm. and your, your Lent, where you were like, okay, I'll pray the rosary. Yes. <laughs> I've had those Lent's where I'm like, okay, fine, I'll pray. Yeah. So you're praying and you're praying with like this like fixed mindset of what you're praying for. Mm-hmm. And then God changes your changes your prayer, not just changes your heart, but yeah. says like, this is not what I'm calling you to pray for. How did that happen? Like, how did you know? What did that feel like? Or it was, I mean, the fact that I can still remember it and remember where I was sitting Ooh, remember where in you're this sitting house, in we lived in three houses in Guam and I remember exactly when, where it happened. It was striking because it was mm. one of those moments where the Holy Spirit is so strong. I still remember, and I still remember the change of words that were given to me in my heart. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mean, and in the moment it didn't feel like this powerful thing. It felt like a peaceful thing. Mm-hmm. that's what I remember and it and it obviously was so powerful because I remember it so clearly but in the moment it was just like it was uh, the Holy Spirit gave so much grace that it was easy to surrender because mm-hmm. the prayer wow. had changed me enough or built up enough of like a, a foundation for me to just be ready to accept that change in prayer and of course like when the holy spirit moves and you resist that doesn't feel good <laughs> you know yeah. you, he keeps chasing you yeah and if you are are ready you know you're ready for that change and you give in the peace is just tangible yeah. and you're like yeah that's exactly what i'm supposed to feel and say and pray and you know it and it feels so good mm-hmm. there's no you know denying it or resisting it mm-hmm. so i remember that being kind of like that's what it was. Beautiful. Beautiful. And it's really cool because I'm telling the story now during Lent yeah. and yeah. also too. doing the rosary <laughs> this Lent. Yeah. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. And, and I haven't done it every Lent for sure, but um, it's cool to look back on it and, and just see how, uh, how he worked, how God worked so perfectly. Yeah. Um, it's just inspiring. It's inspiring for my own faith to look back and see that. Yeah. Yeah. To enter into it. That's beautiful. So, mm-hmm. And then you also are an artist, right? I am, yeah. So tell us about that. I come from a very artistic family. We were just kind of, I, I wouldn't say that my parents would proclaim themselves as artists, but they're very um, supportive of mm-hmm. arts. My dad taught at the liberal arts college, and my mm-hmm. mom, she um, she's just creative, I would say. My dad mm-hmm. was creative with more like uh, maybe writing and woodworking and music, mm-hmm. and my mom was creative with um, I guess having a big family and homeschooling <laughs> and uh, just baking, cooking, that kind of thing. Um, she likes to use her hands. Um, she built like an earth oven in her backyard, wow. you know, that kind of thing. She uh-huh. just, she's, I mean, she was so happy to support us being creative and all of her kids, all nine of us, all loved being artistic and creative. So it was really cool probably for her to see the different ways and every one of us had a different 
kind of bent for like what yeah. we like to create. And so I have always liked to just be more crafty. That's no music gene, <laughs> a lot of music genes in my family, but none, none for me. And so I've just been more crafty, kind of like um, not really scrapbooky, but I would like to create my own things. Mm -hmm. uh, gift, like I, would, I made a lot of gifts for people. That's yeah. what I would do. I would make really outstanding, like very elaborate gifts for people. And in fact, I made a few for Chris and he was like, whoa. <laughs> and it was just my love language, actually. Yeah. That's what it was. And just being creative. And like recently I heard that being creative is the closest you can be to God wow. because you're sharing in that creative power. And it's for me as some, I would consider myself an artist just in the sense that I love creating so much and I have a passion for it that um, I do feel that I really do. And so what I, um, as a mom, I needed an outlet and I kind of got into a little more of like a specialized, like hand lettering. Um, mm -hmm. I love watching your videos. That, oh, <laughs> thank you. It's just so relaxing. Like I've watched them like over and oh, over sometimes. So I, yeah, I, so I kind of picked that cause I've always really been into the idea of greeting cards cause mm -hmm. I, I always made my own greeting cards. That was one of my things I like to make for people for their birthday or whatever occasion. I thought it was so fun to pour my heart into making a really awesome card. And um, and it always felt really awful to me to have to buy a Hallmark card. <laughs> it still <laughs> does. It still does. But they are I do, expensive. Now I, they are expensive and getting more, yeah. <laughs> more expensive. And it, I, I don't have time to make cards as much these yeah. days. But yeah. And so I buy them mostly now, and it still hurts <laughs> in a lot of ways. But... Um, yeah, I got, I, it was probably like three years ago, I started watching videos and tutorials on how to do calligraphy and more modern calligraphy. Mm -hmm. I don't really love rules. Yeah. <laughs> and so I like to be a little more free and do my own thing. And so I learned some of the basic techniques and I've just been using it as an outlet ever since. Yeah. And a few people reached out and um, asked me to just make them things for them, like mm -hmm. quotes mostly. And mm -hmm. I'm just still learning and messing around with different mediums and and so it's a lot of fun. I haven't done a lot in the last few months, but I have my desk waiting for me. <laughs> I just cleaned it off, in fact, like a couple days ago, and I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to get back in there. Yeah. So I um, I do that. It's fun. It's fun. I have a um. Did you know that I have a quote in my in Tessa's room that she made? Oh, you made that? Yeah, the one that says, um, "Do small things with great yeah. love." No, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. That's okay. what it says. I can't, I've done. Yeah, I love all those <laughs> quotes. Oh, what did you say? So yeah, fun. Rachel gave it to me. It's yeah. pretty special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. very cool. So, I want to go back to um, just you talking a lot about surrender mm -hmm. and how. Just to, for our listeners who may be struggling with surrendering whatever mm -hmm. cross they're carrying, mm -hmm. um, can you speak into that a bit? Yeah, I think um, I had my first experience of surrender when I was in high school or maybe eighth or ninth grade, mm -hmm. and it was so powerful to me that I think I've learned the rhythm of it, mm -hmm. and I've learned what it does when you give in and mm -hmm. how awesome it is. And so it hurts and it hurts and it hurts as it's building and the, yeah. and you're feeling the pressure of like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this and I can't, I can't do it. And then when you finally give in, it's so wonderful. Mm. And what happened to me when I was in eighth or ninth grade, um, it was a very, very memorable where I felt for the first time God talking to me and pushing me. Mm -hmm. Never before had this happened to me. And he was telling me to say, yes, I want you to be a nun. <laughs> and... It was like, it was very much a simple 
thought of a nun. Like I wasn't uh-huh. thinking religious organizations. My parents didn't expose us to a lot of like sisters and relationships with religious people. We didn't uh-huh. have a lot of people over to the house. And so in my mind, it was just like the idea of a nun, like not really sure what that means, except that you have a different life than people who are not a nun. You don't get married and yeah, um, you are religious and you spend your time praying, you know, whatever it is. And I didn't have a whole lot of thoughts about what it is to be a nun, but I knew God was telling me to say yes to him. Mm-hmm. And that was what he wanted me to say yes, was yes, you're going to be a nun. And I fought that thought so hard. And I thought I fought it so hard to the point that I saw nuns everywhere. Like, And sometimes wow. I think it's a little bit of psychology playing because you start to get anxious about it and you, and you start to see it in places that you're like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, every day that I fought it, I would see another sign about a nun or I would hear about a nun or someone would make a joke about me becoming a nun Uh and it hit hard every time. I was like, ah, why would you say that to me? You have no idea what I'm (laughs) actually going through right now. And he just chased me and chased me and chased me until one morning I was getting ready for school and I still remember it. I was so young and I just burst into tears and I was like, fine, I will become a nun for you. I was so tired of it and I was so tired of like that anxiety I was feeling of saying no to him when he was Mm -hmm. clearly chasing me and asking me to surrender Mm -hmm. and as soon as I did you know I was crying for there was a moment that was hard and I was crying and and then it was wonderful and he didn't want me to be a nun he just wanted me to say yes to him (laughs) he just wanted your heart yeah and it was so cool because I never ever felt called to be a nun after that Wow. Ever. And I knew it too. Yeah. I was open to it. I learned to be open at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want, I think I want to be a nun. Sorry, I want to be a mom. And I really feel called to that. But if he wants me to be a nun, I learned my lesson, mm-hmm. you know? And it was, I was young. And I remember, um, I remember at first I did think that that he did want me to be a nun because I remember telling my mom, I was like, God's calling me to be a nun. <laughs> she was probably like, okay. <laughs> but she was so sweet about it. And um, and I'm sure as a mom, that was really cool to hear too, just to mm-hmm. know that I am talking about God speaking to me. You're and, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's not like God's calling me to be a dancer. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was cool for her. And so anyway, I, uh, yeah, I that was a really like foundational moment for me to learn what surrender was. And I mm-hmm. think since then it's been easy to see the rhythms. It doesn't make it harder. Or, sorry. It doesn't make it easier when God does ask you to surrender to something hard, but mm-hmm. I do know what's coming. And so mm-hmm. I have that kind of the habit of like, I know what, I know how this looks. And, yeah. um, and it, so it was, it was a, it kind of snuck up on me a little bit with the family thing where I wanted a baby because it was so new. It was like, I was so shocked that I wasn't pregnant and Mm. I was so sure it would happen. And so I wasn't thinking about it in terms of uh, maybe that's not God's plan or you're just pushing your ideas so, so hard and fast, you know? Um, but once that, that grace hit me that day, I knew it was the same thing Mm. and it felt exactly the same. So I can't think of any other concrete examples. I know there have been, but like mm-hmm. at the moment, I can't think of any other. Those are the two biggest ones yeah, that I yeah. can recall because I still remember what I was doing and where I was, what time of day it was for wow. those two moments. So have you ever prayed really the surrender beautiful. novena? 
Um, I think it scares me. <laughs> <laughs> it's powerful. It is powerful. You, you told me about it, yeah. Andrea. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was written by, I don't even know his I don't name. Remember. It's yeah. Padre Pio's oh, yeah. spiritual advisor. Oh, yeah. Spiritual director. I'm like, yeah. if you could be a spiritual director yeah. to Padre Pio, mm, he's yes. got to have some deep faith there, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. The man I, knows what he's doing. <laughs> I know. I, I confuse some of the ones that scare me. I know the litany of humility scares me to death. Oh, that one scares me too. I don't and know. So, <laughs> like, oh my goodness. No, thank you. I don't know. I can't recall if I am remembering that one particular, no. but... Um, I think it's beautiful in the it, language yeah. that it's written in because it's mm-hmm. very like speak right to your heart. And it's oh, like, okay. it's almost written in first person from Jesus, right? Yeah. He's yeah. Like, just give it to me. Like, just let oh, go. It's beautiful. Like, wow. I love you more than you could ever imagine. And just yeah. give me whatever it is you're concerned about. And every day is a different prayer, which I like because okay. I get kind of, I don't like monotonous things. I'm terrible with novenas. <laughs> I can't pray the yes. same thing every day, but it is a beautiful one. Mm-hmm. And, and it's good for moms. It's short. It. Yes. It's, it's short. I'll look short. it up when I get home. That sounds it's good. It's a good one. I'll, I'll tag it yeah. in the show notes for those of you that are trying to learn how to surrender. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's time. What's God doing in your heart, Kendra? Me first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is God doing in my Sorry, heart? Sorry, we end with what's God doing in your heart? Didn't tell you that part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. God is just letting me rest and and just uh, be okay with that. Just rest and trust and be here. Yeah. After the snow apocalypse and mm-hmm. and you know having the kids at home and um, oh something interesting happened actually as I'm thinking about this. So last night my daughters um, they just kind of spoke some truth to me that kind of hurt. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, okay. Um, but I, I, waking up this morning and kind of rethinking through that whole moment, um, the Holy Spirit really allowed me to separate where the enemy took that into my heart and ran with it, mm-hmm. and where the Holy Spirit was trying to guide me in parenting them through that if that makes mm-hmm. any sense whatsoever yes he's trying to twist it yes and it was really cool to see that and and I kind of woke up kind of um in a place where okay I need to choose joy right now instead of mm. just kind of waking up Meh. and and after making that choice to choose joy I was able to see it in a different light and and talk with them about it a little bit today and um and I can see how it could hopefully Lord willing, just be a moment of formation for them. Just like a little, mm-hmm. a little pearl, I guess, of formation for them moving forward in their life. So that was kind of neat. Mm, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. What is God doing in your heart, Liz? Oh, um, <laughs> well, uh, I told, I told you all that our little boy has Down syndrome and, um, with the story of the adoption, our daughter is always asking us to adopt another baby because she said, Aww. I don't like being the only one adopted in the family. Uh-huh. And so we've always kind of talked about it and um, how does that look and how would we do that? And once I had Benedict, I knew that I would adopt another baby with Down syndrome. And wow. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I absolutely know that that's going to uh-huh. happen sometime. That's I don't know beautiful. when I was looking into it and then we're expecting again. So yeah. it was funny because I told my daughter, well, we told our kids that we were having another baby and she's like, oh, we're adopting a baby now? <laughs> she thought we were giving her that news and I was like, not this time. Absolutely.
Oh my goodness, that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Do you follow Rebecca Lyons? She's no. a, a Christian author, speaker, and she has three kids of her own. Her oldest has Down syndrome. Oh, wow. And so he, I think, is 21 now and just the life of that family. And then her younger two are high school. One's about to go to college. So she was like almost oh, out wow. of parenting. Except for her oldest, obviously. Yeah. And they just adopted a little girl from China who is five uh-huh. with Down syndrome. Oh and her gosh. name is Joy. Oh. And she is Joy. I mean, She's like, wow. oh, it is, oh, I'm like, beautiful. I want one. <laughs> Can I have a Joy from China? But I could see you doing that someday, you know? Oh, like, yeah. letting the yeah. kid. And so it's so fun to watch these teenagers love on this little oh, one yeah. again. Uh-huh. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a really sweet story. You should find oh, her. Yeah. Awesome. It's really yeah. fun. That's just Megan. What's good, Megan? So about a week or so ago, um, maybe it was when we were recording one of our, our Lent podcast, um, I was thinking about just how my family thrives on service. Like we really do. Whenever things get really hard for us or we just struggle, especially Olivia, like that mm-hmm. girl loves to serve. And so I really felt like we were being called to serve more this Lent. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll come up with service projects and we'll do all these things. And then our whole Texas completely Mm -hmm. fell apart. And now there's so many people that need people to serve them. And Mm -hmm. there's just service opportunities right and left and ways that we could love people. And um, our head of our school gave us Monday and Tuesday off. And he said, if you're in a place where you can help others, then go do something and help and serve. And so a mom in my friend group said, hey, do you guys know anywhere that we could serve? And I was like, it was one of those moments where like the Holy Spirit like pings you mm-hmm. and then it's like, you should act on it type mm-hmm. of thing, you know? And this was Saturday night at like nine or nine or 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, I know this woman at the Round Rock Serving Center. Maybe I could email. Actually, I don't even know her. I'm just on her email list. <laughs> I would not know her face if I saw her but I have her email address (laughs) and I was like, I could email her. And so I emailed this woman at like nine 30 or 10 on Saturday night and she responded immediately. And I said, would you like us, you know, do you need volunteers? We'd like to come volunteer. And she said, absolutely. And then she didn't respond again until this morning. And I started to get scared that I had like started something that I shouldn't have. (laughs) And so my friend Bonnie puts it out on our Facebook page for our school. And there are 60 people signed up to volunteer. So 40 went today and another 20 are going to go tomorrow. And so I got to go this morning with my kids and with Kendra's girls. And we served, we, you know, stocked the shelves and did a lot of manual labor and, Sweet little Olivia begged me, can I stay? Can I stay, Mom? There's another group coming, and I'll just stay. And she's out here, like, chopping down trees and hauling off brush, like, not what you would think you would do at a food pantry, Mm -hmm. but it was what they needed done, you know? It's like you never know what they're going to ask you to do. You just do whatever you're called to do. And um, and her face, her little red hair and pink cheeks were like, her face was bright red, and she hadn't had lunch. And I was like, girl, I think you need to come home and eat with me. And so they are begging me to go back tomorrow. And I'm trying to figure out a way. You want to take, you want to take care of Tessa, Kendra? <laughs> well, I actually want to go, too. Okay, you go, and I'll, <laughs> I'll take, take care of the little. Okay. You take the kids this time. Deal. And uh, anyways, it's just like that joy that only comes from loving others. Yeah. And I'm just kind of kind of resting in that right now. That's and, beautiful. of course, my mind is racing with all these other ways that we can serve <laughs> ideas. Yeah. Someone's going to have to tell me to stop it and sit down (laughs) (laughs) Kendra is like the greatest friend because whatever crazy idea I come up with she's like yes let's do it (laughs) it. (laughs) probably sometimes I need someone to go no maybe you shouldn't do that today Kendra's like yeah let's go so anyways so all right well see you next week friends Bye. Bye. bye